Welcome to Series 1, Episode 7 of Distinct Poplar, a twice-monthly audio fiction series written and read by Matt Herzberg from www.distinctpoplar.com. This episode is titled, Not in Anyone's Lifetime, Part 4. The next handoff had Chellen to receive, and she waited in class at first period before the bell rang. Not soon after she had set her things down and sat in her chair, Blixit then made his way through the door, shuffling his feet behind him. The boy made a straight line through the pit and climbed the stairs towards her desk and had the notebook ready for the handoff. As per usual, Blixit smiled warmly at her like a pleased little puppy dog who was just checking in. But his hazel eyes were stuck to the floor. He was afraid to raise them and make contact with her. Hi, said Chellen enthusiastically, which surprised the boy so much that he immediately dropped both the warm smile and the notebook and turned right around and headed to his seat. Chellen couldn't see his eyes anymore. They were hidden now under the mess of his black hair, which he had pushed back into place. She imagined that under the protection of his hair, his pupils darted around the floor in search of a solution to this new development. It seemed obvious to her that he wasn't prepared to make contact with her. Fortunately, she'd given him a little breathing room and let him process his shyness. Unfortunately for him, that breathing room evaporated as soon as class was over. When the bell rang and the students filed out the door, Chellen made sure she was stuck to the boy with no means of escape. As the hallways filled up with students like an hourglass filled with sand, Chellen was standing in his space, so close that she could smell his breath. Soon, they were surrounded by a seemingly impossible amount of kids with nowhere to go but forward. Hi! she said again, as the sea of high school students picked them up in its current, forcing them to move due to the sheer number of bodies and their unstoppable momentum. A loud and raucous fervor that erupted from each excited student all around them, shouting, pulling, pushing, teasing, and some even kicking and screaming. Hi, said Blixit, In a dumbfounded voice of disbelief, he shrugged his backpack over his shoulders nervously a few times, even though it was already set firmly into place. 
I'm Chellen, she offered. I know, he said, his voice cracking a tad as his shyness reasserted itself. What? she asked. Their surroundings had gotten so loud, his words were an incomprehensible mumble, lost in the student chatter that seemed to bounce off the walls and lockers all around them. I know! He had to shout this time over the clamor of the chaotic hallways. I know who you are! Chellen nodded. Good. So she raised her voice as well. I figured... We've been doing these drawings for a few weeks, so why not say hello? So, hello. She smiled up when his darting hazel eyes accidentally found her gaze from beneath the wavering thicket of his thick, must hair, before then quickly reforming back into place to protect him. It was almost as if his hair was like a protective shield, reacting to his every moment of discomfort in their conversation. I... I thought you weren't supposed to do that, he ventured. I thought you weren't supposed to say hello. Obviously, this was in reference to the strict rules that Roms have about socializing with typicals, but Chellen didn't get a chance to respond. Blixit pushed past her on his way to their next class, cutting through a brief break in the endless sea of students. In seconds, he was gone leaving Chellen to find the rest of her way to class by herself. But she knew where he was going, and in fact they had many classes left today together. So she planned on continuing their conversation later. After Chellen finally got to class, it was obvious that Blixit wanted nothing more to do with her. Instead of his usual haphazard, lazy way of sitting at his desk, he was hunched forward with his shoulders raised and his arms up, almost as if he was protecting himself from her and any further attempts by Chellen to acquaint the two. It was the same in their next class, and the one after that too. Blixit wanted nothing to do with her and protected himself from any potential interaction. She decided not to engage him again after that, so she spent the next few periods drawing in the journal book, in secret, and right under the noses of their teachers. This would be her last drawing in the book, it seemed, so she took some time to make sure it was special. When their final class of the day came up, Chellen didn't wait to see if Blixit would be standoffish and guarded. She took the notebook to his desk and left it there for him, right out in the open, where anyone could have seen it sitting on his desk. That would be the end of it for her, and she proceeded through class as if Blixit wasn't even there, despite the fact that he got to class late, despite the fact that he noisily shuffled through the pit, past the teacher, and up to his desk, interrupting everything, and despite the fact that he sat in his assigned seat right behind her, and the feeling of awkwardness now forbidding between them. But she decided that this was probably it for their drawing game, given his severe reaction to her friendly gesture. Friends.
Yeah, she supposed that's what she wanted after all. For them to be friends. When the bell rang and the school day was done, Chelen resigned herself to the fact that she would probably just go back to her original plan to make it through the rest of the school year. Just keep her head down and focus on her studies for the rest of the semester. After all, Blixit's off-putting reaction to her attempts to communicate more was probably a blessing in disguise. Roms aren't supposed to be friends with typicals. Would have been nice, though, she thought, just to have one actual friend. Chelan collected her thoughts and her things as quickly as she could and made her way out of the classroom. As per usual, the hallways were an over-congested mess of kids all trying to get to their lockers so they could go home. The sheer level of noise and chaos as the other kids shouted and laughed and cheered made Chelan feel like an alien standing alone in her calm. But as it turned out, she wasn't alone. Blixit was standing next to her, just as quietly unimpressed by the mess unfolding right in front of them. When she noticed him, he pushed the hair out of his eyes and met her gaze, which surprised her. She figured this was it for them, based on his previous reaction, and wondered what it was that had changed. I'm Blix, he said and then extended his hand nervously. She accepted his damp handshake as a gesture of goodwill. Nice to meet you. He nodded, and quickly diverted his gaze to avoid locking eyes with her. You want to go to the tables? He asked. You know, to talk? She agreed, and followed him past the chaos of the hallways to an outside door, which led to a path that wound around the back of the building, past the trash dumpsters where hastily crafted science projects went to die, past the old abandoned garages from cancelled auto shop classes of their parents' yesteryears, to the old picnic tables where students used to eat their lunch in a time long gone when students were allowed to roam the campus free. Now the tables were generally considered to be off-limits by the high school faculty, who claimed the place as their own during the fabled struggle between student and teacher for school-wide territory. However, right now the spot was completely empty, and Chelan found herself awkwardly standing in between rows upon rows of wooden tabletops made bright red with a thousand desperate coats of paint, scarred with vulgar scratchings and marred with black marker graffiti, which mostly said things like, Stay out! Turn back, and no students, ever, but with a less than pleasant sentiment attached to each. Blixit, or Blix, as he'd introduced himself, tossed the notebook face up on a nearby tabletop. It was open to the page where Chelan had made her final drawing, the page that neither of them had previously drawn on, which had been titled, Not in Anyone's Lifetime. Chelan looked to Blix, who stood there nervously trying to appear calm and collected 
as he awkwardly leaned or posed or whatever he was attempting to do on a nearby tabletop. He looked around cautiously, letting his eyes wander to every detail within his gaze, and when he was finally sure they were alone, he pushed the hair out of his face and spoke. Ever since I was eleven years old, I've been scared of girls. It was awkward in the way that the words fell out of his mouth, like they were made of lead and tasted like soap, and it was all he could do to keep from just spitting them out onto the ground. I mean, scared to talk to girls. Not much better, he knew, but he pressed forward anyway. In grade six, I spent my whole final semester trying to build up the courage to talk to this rom girl in my Marvels of Postmodernism class. I remember being so nervous every day of my life in that class because all I wanted to do was be that guy who could just walk up and say hello, like it was nothing. He paused and looked at his feet before proceeding. But I'm not that guy. I get nervous talking to anyone, let alone any girl in my classes. He began ticking them off on his fingers of his outstretched hand, the ways in which his nervous nature made his life difficult, if not downright impossible. I sweat, said Blix, which temporarily caught Chelan off guard, as even now she could see that his hands were glistening with sweat. Absently, she reactively wiped her own hand on the back of her black jeans, as if the phantom feeling of his damp handshake from earlier refused to dry on its own. I have trouble breathing. My heart beats real fast. I get an upset stomach. Dizziness, too. It was a list of things that were very foreign to Chelan and difficult for her to imagine experiencing. After all, Chelan's problem wasn't talking to people. Heck, she'd talk your ears off under the right circumstances. No, her problem was having someone to talk to, someone who wouldn't mind holding on to their ears. And right now, that was Blix. So she let him continue. Man, I can remember spending the whole semester building up the courage to talk to that girl. She seemed kind and cool and super cute. So I made up my mind to try to talk to her. To try to overcome all of my... He paused again, this time to calm his stomach. Like he could possibly throw up in the middle of his sentence. He used a fist to cover his mouth as he swallowed big and let out a deep, anxiety-ridden sigh before continuing. All of my issues with talking to girls. So I figured that my last chance was during the very last day of school. The class we had together was basically at the end of the day. And that's when everyone was just hanging out and being rowdy. Teachers know they couldn't control us since we were going to be out for the summer in a few hours. She listened intently as he described a room of loud and unruly kids with summer vacation right around the corner. The typicals, the way that they lounged on their desktops as they 
joked around with one another and cheered and bragged about summer plans. And then the Roms she could also see in her mind's eye, but more vividly, as Blix described them, gathered in the corner, calmly watching the other kids with detached bemusement over the rims of their thick black sunglasses. The girls working safety pins into their faux leather jackets. The boys snapping their wallet chains back and forth. All of them muttering sermons of disappointment about their childish peers and making jokes at their expense that only other roms would get. Blix cleared his throat. His scatterbrained gaze ceased to dance around the area and instead focused on Chellin. I finally built up the courage to say something, gritting my teeth and forcing myself to breathe while my heart bounded around and around in my chest. But she was surrounded by all of her rom friends. They were huddled together like a murder of crows, practically hiding within their black jackets and coats, arms crossed, as if the temperature in the room was like ice. They talked so loudly and smacked their gum and... I had trouble approaching her and saying anything. I don't know what was wrong with me. Everything I said was either too quiet or did not seem to make sense. One minute I was stammering, and the next I was blabbering like a fool. And all the while the room was so loud that she didn't even hear me. So I was basically just talking a bunch of nonsense to nobody, even though I was standing right behind her, behind all of them. Chellen could immediately feel her skin get hot on her face. She too was now feeling a horrible pain in her stomach at the embarrassment of their situation. She could see him standing there in the crowded classroom, vulnerable as he tapped her on the shoulder to get her attention after his words fell out garbled and flat. And all of the Rom kids fell silent and just turned and stared at the poor boy as beads of sweat popped from his brow and trailed down the sides of his head. Then Blake spoke. I, um, um... I, or at least he had tried. What do you want? asked Chalin. She was more than a little annoyed at this point. Chell, he said, abbreviating her name accidentally, as if he only had enough resolve in him to get half of it out. Then he paused, put his fist in front of his mouth, and swallowed deeply in preparation of whatever it was he was trying to say next. How disgusting, she had thought. Was he going to throw up on her? One of the Rom boys shouted at him, What do you want, dude? Spit it out. Blix must have tried so very hard to pull it together, but was failing miserably. I just wanted to ask you if you wanted coffee with me sometime, or whatever. 
She can't drink coffee, moron, sounded a rom girl. And by then, Chellen began looking around at the lot of them nervously, as they all hollered and laughed at the boy's expense. Chellen didn't know what to do or what to say. Her mind was frantic, and she became nervous. What did they want her to do? What did they want her to say? Chellen met Blix's long stare. It was now all coming back to her. She felt shame and embarrassment at the words which came next. I said, Not in your lifetime? Not in my lifetime? Not in anyone's lifetime? Yes, confirmed Blix. That's what you said. That's what you said to me back then. For the first time in her life, she was finding it difficult to find the right words. That was three years ago, was all she could manage as a response. And three years ago honestly felt like forever. Blix shook his head and continued to speak with the softest of words. Yeah, I changed after that happened. From then until now, I didn't want to talk to anybody let alone a girl I might be interested in. Then there was a silence between them. It could not have been more than five to ten seconds tops, but it felt like an awkward and uncomfortable eternity that was moving at light speed. Like those time-lapse videos from Unnatural Anatomy class, the ones where they watched the dead thing like an animal, rot away, its skin peeling, covered in bugs, everything dissolving around it down to the bare white bones, empty, exposed, vulnerable. Chellen wasn't much of a crier, but she did feel awful about what she had done and said. She decided it would be best to just apologize. I'm sorry, she offered dryly, for saying those awful things to you back then. Thanks, said Blix. She could see that there were beads of water forming at his eyes, which he wiped away with the back of his oversized sleeves, erasing tears that never existed, and that's how she knew that what she had said had mattered. I'm sorry too, said Blix, for creeping on you. He held up the drawing journal. It was at the page where she had left the drawing that created this moment. There under the large title letters of Not in Anyone's Lifetime was her depiction of them engaged in ritual suicide, which was one of her favorite things to learn about in their sins of the ancient world class. In true Voldkofari style, she had drawn herself and Blix thrusting impossibly long broadswords into each other's guts from all the way across the page. She had taken her time to detail the gory mess of entrails spilling out onto the ground, the blood issuing forth like a fountain, the hot steam of their innards escaping into the surrounding pages. There was also an excessive amount of clown makeup 
and she had drawn on their faces. Disturbing, happy outlines and shapes of things like stars and spirals that accentuated their features. The final detail she had made sure to include was the double word balloons that floated above their heads. Each one simply said the words, Why me? Followed by five or six hastily scribbled question marks. He noticed her eyeing the drawing and smiled, and then she smiled in return. It's a shame Roms don't befriend typicals, warned Blix. The drawing game was really fun, and this picture is kind of awesome. The word sounded strange when he said it. Typicals. Well, responded Chell, nobody has to know if we don't get caught. That's true, he acknowledged. And just like that, they looked cautiously over their shoulders for onlookers. Then Blix winked one of his hazel eyes as he replaced the mass of his must-up hair back into his face. Chell turned her sheepish grin inside out and became stoic and dissimilar from any other Rom one might find at school that day. The two of them gathered up their book bags and left the tables as if they had never seen each other, never met, never spoke a single word, headed in separate directions to catch their respective buses to go to their separate places of residence, like complete and perfect strangers, except at the very end, at just the right moment, when Blix secretly handed her the notebook as they passed each other, and she quickly stuffed it back into her book bag. If you like what you've been hearing so far on the podcast, please consider rating and reviewing Distinct Poplar on iTunes or wherever else you get your podcasts. Positive reviews would be a big help, and I truly appreciate it. This has been Series 1, Episode 7, Not in Anyone's Lifetime, Part 4, by Matt Herzberg. Copyright February 14th, 2018. Music for this episode was done by Chris Zabriskie, except for the outro music. For more information, check the show notes in the episode description. For more stories like this one, ebooks, and more information about the city that forgot to stay clean, check us out online at www.distinctpoplar.com or through our social media. Just search for Distinct Poplar on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Stop by. Say hello. Hello.